crosstown conversations. And um, I don't know where all my guests are from, but since I've got three in my studio right now and two to go, I suspect that we're from more than one part of the city. So we'll just say we are a crosstown group. Um, I am thrilled to have my guests uh, with me tonight because they are uh, in the first group, comedians. In the second group, somebody who studies spiders and um, someone who is putting a 30-foot lifeboat out on Julia Street for White Linen Night next week. How's that for a show? Yeah. That's not too bad. So we're going to have some fun. And as I, I was just explaining to my um, uh, gals here that are... Uh, um, Hold on a second. I, I forgot to turn my phone off. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, okay. I, I, as I just explained to uh, my guests, I am not the most brilliant um, person for um, pulling the comedic talents out of my guests. So it's up to you guys. That's basically oh, you, what uh, I you want underestimate to say. yourself. It's not that hard. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Okay. <laughs> so I have Camille Rowan. Ketchy Chiboyek. Almost. Chiboyza. Chiboyza. Yeah. Kind of like um, Boise, Idaho. Chiboyza. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Ashley Branch. Yes. These ladies are part of a collective called um, the uh, No Lie. It's No Lie Comedy, and that's lie mm. with a Y. It's mm-hmm. a reference to hair relaxers. Yeah. I, 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 I got that connection. <laughs> Believe it or not, I actually figured that out. But it also has other connotations, so yeah. oh, I was intrigued by it. Yeah. These, these gals are going to be opening for the Girls' Trip show at the Orpheum tomorrow night. What time? Doors are going to be at 6 o'clock, showtime at 7 o'clock for the comedy, and I think they're going to start the movie around 7.30. Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, this is something, I would call this a, a, a don't miss, because well, what's not to love about comedy? I actually stay up every night, believe it or not, to hear um, uh, Colbert, and but particularly Seth Meyers. He's the one who I think is by far the funniest, maybe because he just takes on all of my favorite villains so effectively. <laughs> nice. And isn't that a part of comedy? Yeah. Taking on the villains. The villains seemed to be a little bit too real. It was like as if all the villains from Captain Planet came to life and became the cabinet in the White House. Isn't that the truth? I mean, here he's, he comes in saying he's going to drain the swamp. And what does he do? He creates a whole new... Oh, that's what it was. He just wanted to replace the swamp that was there oh, with dear. a new one. Yeah. yeah. Well, there really wasn't a swamp there. He just, he polluted some clean water and mm-hmm. then was like, I'm going to add new meaner creatures to it. And that's what we have now. And I feel like right now, I'm, you know, like in a movie, there's always a time where you get rescued at the very last minute. And I've been waiting for that moment where it's like, clearly the villain is going to be taken down. It seems like it's not happening. That is not funny stuff. It's just things that's in my head. No, the secret <laughs> is that, like, we are Captain Planet. We all have to be our own. There is no one else. <laughs> the power is yours. I didn't want to hear that answer. <laughs> okay. I, I want you to, to, just for this next round of comments from you, to just say your name so people associate a name with a voice as we go forward. But, um, yeah, you know, in the beginning, when it first started, I was watching it at night, and I do. I am a total victim and mm-hmm. addict, a junkie for all the cable shows, uh-huh. <laughs> especially, of course, um, uh, um, Rachel Maddow. Okay, this is Camille, and I love Rachel Maddow for so much, <laughs> so so much. <laughs> this is Ashley. Camille just jumped out of her skin yeah. <laughs> at the thought of it. Just yeah. yes, I love her so much. And it's so funny because oh, this is catchy, by the way, but it's hilarious that you love her because, like, I've kind of been frustrated with her because, OK, I never forget. Like, I think it was a year and a half ago when she, on Twitter she had said that she had Donald Trump's tax oh. returns and tune in so we could see his tax returns. And it was from like what? Like 1987 or something. Hey, with, with Trump, any tax returns 
counts because there aren't too many that anybody's been able to get their hands on. Exactly. But she like she clip baited us and I don't appreciate it. That oh. was not Rachel. That was the people marketing at MSNBC. Rachel Maddow is far too smart to be worrying about <laughs> marketing and click baiting people. Do you know what Rachel Maddow does? Rachel Maddow is really, really into nuclear proliferation. She stays <laughs> up late at night researching like where North Korea's, like, nuclear program is and stuff. And she's smart enough that I think that she probably has it figured out better than the CIA. And this is literally what she worries about. She is brilliant, and maybe she is our Captain Planet. She will save us all. God bless Rachel. This is Ashley, and I think Rachel Maddow is Camille's aunt. Is is somebody related to her. She she speaks so highly. No, Rachel Maddow was probably, like, my first, first real girl crush. I love her. She's married, but I think about her. Every day, if my significant other is listening, she already knows, so it's cool. Oh, okay. you know, wow. I, I'm, I'm right there with you, because, I, I mean, seriously, um, around, uh, as we're approaching the hour that she's going to come on, um, one, either myself or my husband will say to each other, um, is the, is, is the, uh, um, is the druggie on yet? <laughs> my husband calls her the druggie, because he keeps Why? saying, what is she on? Oh, okay. You oh, know, I thought he meant like... She's so par- no, she's so powerful, and she's so intense, and she's so on, that it's like, oh my God, how does she maintain that intensity? So he just started calling her the druggie. I mean, we both love her. <laughs> there is no doubt about it. Um, uh, the thing that she does that is so incredible is that she breaks all the rules of journalism. So I'm a, I'm a, I'm a journalist in, in my past and mm-hmm. still in heart. And um, one of the rules of journalism is to get your headlines up front, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. She never does that. She builds a story. She starts telling you a story. It could come from 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. It could come from 10 days ago. But she's building this story, and you wonder, where is this going to land? And sure enough, it lands right in the lap of some villain. Which is a lot like comedy. So me and Rachel Maddow are exactly the same and should be together forever. Girl, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I was trying. She's really trying to get that meet up with Rachel, and I'm not mad at it. One day. <laughs> One day. Decree and okay. declare. <laughs> so, so um, tell me about your comedy and and how you shape that's the stories that you tell, and um, and and where did the idea for each of you come from uh, to be comedians? Because I think it's pretty gutsy. Mm-hmm. It's very gutsy. You got to be up there in front of a crowd, and what if somebody does not laugh? And I've seen times that with happened. with the TV hosts when they'll say. Okay, see, I told them that wasn't going to work. You know, yeah, and, yeah. and you see that uh, the, a joke, it didn't exactly bomb, but it just didn't have the kind. So, so where did you get the courage and the, and the vision and the idea of becoming a comedian? And tell me about how you shape your stories. Okay, they're looking at me. I'm catchy. Um, I, 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 I started comedy two years ago to this month and so it's um, recent for you yes just it's recent and it but was it must have been a part of your life before that in some way oh yeah well i did sketch comedy a lot i also trained in improv um i didn't enjoy improv too much i just did it because i wanted to perform but when i moved to new orleans um one summer um, i met camille and, and ashley and a few others and they were like you're gonna do comedy. <laughs> Basically, I was. Well, I was <laughs> they're here. They're here, twi- putting their fingers together like we're planning yeah. her future. It's so weird because like I had barely met them, and they were just like, "We have an open mic tomorrow, and you're gonna sign up. It's fine. You can do it." And so <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what I did. Oh, I, saw- I see. I see how this works. So you actually have the guts for somebody else. Yeah. Oh, it's very easy. I mean, all of us perform, Mm -hmm. but we are definitely in the business of plotting and, like, recruitment. Mm -hmm. If there is any black woman in the city who wants to do comedy, we are about to throw you on a stage at any moment. Give them a contact. Um, No Lie Comedy, spelled with a Y, on Facebook, um, Instagram, Twitter, all the social media. You can email us at info at nolikecomedy.com. The point of the collective, really, like everything in the world, um, there aren't enough marginalized voices. And things are more difficult for marginalized communities, Mm -hmm. specifically 
black women. Um, There's just all sorts of barriers, whether it means a barrier to just get to an open mic or a barrier to get representation or a barrier to book shows. So our thinking is just that if we work together, if we pool our resources and our talent, then we can produce our own shows. We can make opportunities for ourselves and share those and amplify the voices of black women. And I have the second theory. Marginalized people are always going to be funnier mm-hmm. than yeah. your standard cis straight white dude. Yes. Because yeah. we in this country, in this world, have been listening to straight cis white dudes yeah. for so long mm-hmm. that just the fact that you hear someone of color or a different gender orientation or sexual orientation, etc., that's a voice that you haven't heard. So it's always going to be fresher. Mm-hmm. And oh, like to just both- catch you off guard. And when you're off guard, that's when something can really hit you right yeah. in between the eyes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I just want to build on what Camille says. Like, I feel a lot of people have asked me how I built so much material so fast um, while being a comic. And I'm just like, I'm just pulling from my experiences. Mm-hmm. And my experiences are, are things that I have not heard on stage because usually the voices we hear are and trust also because that's what we've been programmed to do, are are straight white male. That's the way it's been designed. And it's really important and um, educational to hear voices from different people. So um, that's why it's been easy for, I feel like, a lot of us to get material Mm -hmm. because it's stuff we have not heard. So, And um, this is actually, for me, the courage comes from knowing that I had a 12-pound baby and I didn't die. That is significant. I had a 12-pound baby, and people would always say, you know, you should do stand-up, or you should write your stories down, do something, and I would just be too afraid to do it. And then when they pulled out a grown person out of my body, (laughs) I said, well, I guess I I lived through it. I guess I could get on the stage. Ain't nobody going to fight me. So I started doing comedy that way. But my material, I feel, is mostly unique to me, and I like that because who's going to steal that? Yeah, facts. <laughs> Who's going to steal I had a 12-pound baby story? Nobody, especially not in the city, because they're going to know that Ashley Branch has told that before. Um, as far as being a black woman, I think that just like a lot of things black women do, we put a little bit of extra something in it. Like, I, I find recipes online and be like, ah, oh, that tastes good with a little bit of satries in it. <laughs> I knew yeah. you were going to say satries. <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, some some a sprig of thyme or something. Like, we always find a little extra something to sprinkle on it. I'm originally from New Orleans. So it'll be things that are unique to the city that I talk about, that I grew up, like, Catcalling wasn't something that seemed to be a problem to me. If you didn't get catcalled in New Orleans pre-Katrina, you don't know what catcalling is. <laughs> he knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> he knows because it was it was so aggressive. It was never just like, hey, baby girl, smile. Like, okay, I'll think about it. This is my teeth. If I, <laughs> now I want to show them, I'll bite you. I don't know. But pre-Katrina, it was like, say tall, girl, say Say, girl with the school uniform on, say, oh, you want to talk to me? Well, forget you didn't get mama ugly. Like, (laughs) (laughs) you got got punished. You got punished. punished. You didn't respond. And and the thing is, is like, I talk about catcalling is not a big deal to me. You can tell me whatever you want to tell me. Just don't touch me. (laughs) So, I mean, everybody's experiences are different. Everybody has different backgrounds, people from different places. People have different households that they grew up in. I grew up in a household with a very loving and understanding and reassuring father and a very mother and (laughs) (laughs) mom if you're listening. I love you mama. No, but like she was very stern and strict and which crying for tears don't pay the bills and it, it shaped me into who I am, and I use her on stage because she is hilarious. Yep. As a person, like, I'm trying to drag her on the stage, like, Mama, come on, please just tell one joke. And I, I girl, I ain't doing that. <laughs> so, I mean, we all have our different backgrounds. We grew up differently, but we all have the experience of being black women, and that's the only thing, basically, we pretty much have in common. What, uh, what part of town are you from? Where were you raised up? From the Ninth Ward. Okay, so I grew up in East New Orleans. I went to all magnet schools. 
Um, I want to say so you're not a project girl. I mean, it's in there. Don't bring it out. I tell people all the time, you can get Ashley Elizabeth that's traveled, has two degrees, or you get Ashley out the night wall, which one you want. And it's true. They're both in there because that's my mom is Ashley from, gave me Ashley from night wall, and my dad gave me the academic side of everything. And so, I mean, they're, we're multifaceted. We're not just one-sided. Like, I know some project girls that could run circles around anybody in MIT right now. Mm-hmm. Right, right. That. And I know some really dull, dim-witted people that grew up in great households that can't tell their left and their right. So we're both confident. Camille looked at me, and I don't like that. No, I thought... <laughs> I thought that Ashley was looking at me when she said oh, that. Oh no! <laughs> and then I looked at I looked at Ketchy and I was like, "Wait, which one of those bougie girls is she talking about?" <laughs> no, I wouldn't consider myself bougie. Um, Camille Camille is bougie though, because every time we go down to Camille's house, she serves us pate. Because, and frittatas. Hey, and frittatas. I would not complain about your bougie friend if she is serving you pate. What if you hate pate? Oh. I think the word for me is kind and generous. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. Meanwhile, I'm making grits and eggs and shrimp and grits. Yeah, <laughs> that's shrimp fair. and grits are fire, though. Oh, you go- oh can I? Because I've lived here for three years, but it wasn't until maybe two weeks ago that I finally tried shrimp and grits. No. Yeah. What's the matter for you? I do. <laughs> I don't know. I just. What about shrimp and grits? Could you possibly think you'd have a problem with? This is a young lady that won't eat chicken with bones in it. (gasps) You won't eat chicken with bones in it? She doesn't eat crawfish either. What? 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 Why did you just call me all the way out? Okay, first of all, chicken with bones is complicated. You are no longer in the group. Get out. Oh. Black car revoked. I'm just playing. Don't. Okay. (laughs) It's for every black woman. Okay. Yes, it is for every black woman. And I just. Chicken with bones is for no crawfish. Black women? No, I'm talking about no. No, I'm talking about the group. We're talking about no like comedy. That's for everybody. But um, chicken with bones in it, that's not for me. I, I did start eating wings probably if like a few months ago. I don't eat wings. You don't eat wings? I See? do not eat wings. It's nothing but skin and grease. What and is the point of chicken wings? I don't get it. I never have. What's I the point of crawfish then? Rest. Do you eat ca- crawfish? These oh, shady looks crawfish. in the studio. <laughs> just everyone's eyes are darting around and it's just like shame and judgment. Shame and judgment. Hold on. I'm about to bring Ashley out the night wall. Hold on. She's coming. She's coming right now. Okay. What, what, what? First of all, what? The purpose of wings is like to carry flavor to your mouth. Wait, time out. You need to direct it over here. <laughs> First of all, and Pisha, how you don't even much like crawfish? Like, who does that? Like, up in New Orleans, like, for real. It's too much work. Oh, my God. For such a little Crawfish bite. work? Yes. Oh, my God. No, you don't know how to do it then. Okay. You have never had anybody show you how to do a crawfish? They've shown We you. have showed her. Had to squeeze the tail? I've done all of that, and I'm not impressed. Oh my. I don't know why uh, I said that on a New Orleans radio station. I'm going to yeah. get drugged. You're going to get shunned. You're going to get death threats. That's fine. I said what I said, and I'm fine with it. As a transplant, I would like to make note that Ketchy's views in no way reflect those of transplants around the city. Okay. All right. I'm or no lie. Displ- and this is a transplant disowning a transplant. Okay. All right. That's fine. Okay. In all fairness, she... She was born in England, okay? Yeah, I was. Ke- Which one? Me. You. Ketchy. Ketchy was born in England. You know, Ketchy, I, I was thinking like Caribbean. There was a... a no. My parents reason. are Nigerian, and then I was born in England, and then they decided, I don't know why, to move us to the United States, but um, that would have been fine, but they moved us to El Paso, Texas, Um so El Paso. I know. But you know what? They say the crime rate in El Paso is really low because everybody is working so hard, doing good stuff. I, that, Nobody lives there. That's, that's why the crime rate yeah, is low. Nobody facts. lives there. Who are you going to rob? Yeah, like for real. <laughs> <laughs> like there is no one to rob. And the no. Pr- <laughs> yeah, yeah. Basically, you, you, you get to rob cactus and that's not pleasant, you know? So, <laughs> so that's, yeah. But I mean, yeah, you're right. It's safe because I, I didn't do anything when I was in El Paso. 
and I you didn't do anything. Mm-mm. What does that mean? I said, I, well, sorry. Um, I, I, I also forgot to let you know that I do suffer from a severe condition that stopped me from doing anything. It's called SAP otherwise known as strict African parents. Um, <laughs> they, they're the reasons why I didn't do much. And plus, you know, when it's sand and African parents, like that's just a, a sentence for go do your homework for five hours a day. <laughs> I'm not bitter. It's fine. Her <laughs> <laughs> you know, eyes not twitching. Her eyes not twitching. Yeah. It could be worse, you know. My, yeah, absolutely. I, I was raised in the South Bronx, and my mother, to make sure I stayed out of trouble during the summers, um, had me doing a regimen of clean, of dusting and mopping Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and doing the kitchen and the toilet on Tuesday and Thursday. And I thought that was normal. I That's didn't what know. Told, yeah, she told me to do that. She and I just you. had to do that because we're not a, a sender off to camp family. And so that was her way of keeping me out of trouble. I had no idea how bad it was. Trust me, I don't do that no more. <laughs> hey. <laughs> no scheduled cleaning. My mom would just berate me with her words until I cleaned stuff. So she scared me into cleaning. At this point, she would come home from work. I was like 12. She would come home from work. The house would be clean. Food would be cooked. I don't have to hear your mouth. I feel safe. <laughs> and I still have to do it. I don't have a choice. Yeah. I'm still, I'm 36 years old and I'm still deathly afraid of my parents. Um. Oh, I am so scared of my parents. <laughs> now, I, 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 you're from England. You're from New Orleans East. And you... Camille. I am was born in Texas. I lived in California a long time. I have to say the California part because I sound like a valley girl. They were formative <laughs> years. Um, but most recently from Austin, Texas. I've been here for about four years. Is it forever? Oh, New Orleans is forever and ever and ever. Amen. Why? Until it, it falls into the ocean. Yeah, until it falls into the ocean. Yes. Unless the fine people of New Orleans kick me out for not eating crawfish like Ketchy or something. Uh, but you know what? No, wait, I wait, do. wait. I thought you ate crawfish. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. They do, but they can't see me right now, so there may be some mistaken identity or something, and I'll get kicked out, and I'll be like, it was actually Ketchy who doesn't eat the crawfish. I love the crawfish. I As love- if we don't have a problem with mistaken identity. I just love that you're trying to exile me from the city of New Orleans. This hurts so much. I thought we were friends. I really did. Ashley and I are laughing because Ashley and I look maybe kind of alike. No, you guys are the same height (laughs) and you have afros. That's it. That's it. But I don't have an afro right now. But that's not the, like, okay, people mistake them for each other all the time. Like, they'll see Ashley, and they'll be like, hey, Camille, or they'll see Camille, and they'll be like, hello, Ashley, and they don't correct the people that tell them that. It's not worth the time. You just, <laughs> I just changed my voice when people, especially on the street, like, hey, Camille, hi, guys. <laughs> <laughs> and I can't correct my grandma. She saw a picture of Ashley that I posted on Facebook, and she just comments, Camille, you're starting to look so much like your mom. And I was just like, oh, my God. Mm-hmm. oh that's disheartening yeah. for your for your own family not to recognize you. Oh, yeah. my goodness. If I have to be mistaken for anyone in the world, it's Ashley. We're happy and we're How long have the color? Do, 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 do. <laughs> Give, Give me, me a high five. five. Okay, that had to happen. Sorry. <laughs> How long have you three been working together? And are there other uh, members of your group? There are others. Yes, so many. (laughs) How many are there? And tell me where besides um, the Orpheum this Saturday night, Saturday or Friday? No, Thursday. Thursday. Tomorrow night. Tomorrow night. I... get very mixed up at the end of the week. <laughs> I mean, I, can, I, I, I always think Wednesday is, is, is um, Friday. That's a long story. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, how, how long have you been together? Tell me something about some of the other people in the group. You know, give me, um, fill in the, populate. Uh, they, they talk about populating things. Populate this for me. Yes. We've been working together for, I would say, maybe three years uh-huh. in uh-huh. different iterations. Uh-huh. Two uh, for me. 
There is a all-black women comedy festival in New Orleans every summer over Essence Festival called the Black Girl Giggles Comedy Festival. That's what I was asking you about before. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I heard about it, and I didn't get there. I was out of town. A number of us, well, most of us met that way. Mm -hmm. Um, And in between planning the festivals, we kind of started plotting and planning monthly shows. We launched a podcast. I created a sketch group and all sorts of different things. And improv as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and through that process, the it became clear that there were kind of two paths. There were going to be people who wanted to work exclusively on the festival, and then there were going to be people who wanted to work collectively, um, locally, kind of, um, forming a sketch group and producing the monthly shows and the podcast. So No Lie Comedy is kind of that iteration where we focus on black women in New Orleans doing comedy. We travel together. We create a lot of content together. Etc. And yeah. where and where do you perform in the city? Everywhere. Yeah. We're everywhere. Um, tonight, Ketchy and I are at House of Blues. Uh, tomorrow we're at Orpheum. Um, a lot of high hole. We do our uh, third Saturday high-ho lounge at high hole. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're forgetting one important event that's happening this Sunday. Oh. Oh yeah. Huh. Okay. I have kids. Leave me alone. Uh, <laughs> uh, every fourth Sunday at Parlu Beer Lab, I do something called Chocolate Sundays, where I get New Orleans' most finest chocolatey comedians, uh, aka Black people, uh, to do a show every fourth Sunday. And it's something different. Last uh, last month's Chocolate Sundays was Chocolate Sundays with sprinkles because it was Pride Month. This uh, month <laughs> is. Uh, Chocolate Sundays with nuts. And if you want to see why, you got to come. I'm not going to say nothing else about it. I'm going to just say <laughs> one person believes that they are a time traveler and an alchemist. The oh, end. I know. And they're great. They're great. Yes. One day you're going to be thankful you stepped into his presence. Yes. Anyway. And, and, and again, you guys have like a schedule online. Yes. So. yes. Um, NoLightComedy.com is where you can find all of our shows. We list when we update the website, mm-hmm. <laughs> we list all of the official collective shows and then every show that our individual members are on. And there's, I would say, roughly about 20 of us. I don't know. There's just a long group text message that goes yep. off mm-hmm. all day long. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what 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 do you think it's going to take to get a black female comedian um, on mainstream nighttime television? Are you talking about late night specifically? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Respect. (laughs) Oh, did I say that really harshly? But I meant it. I meant every aspect of it. I I just think that there's a need for it. I think people want it. But I think the the powers that be feel like the things that are there now are what's that it's enough. I I personally feel like it's going to take a very long time or... If there is something created where it's tailored towards a multitude of people, Um, because I feel like Hollywood, um, it tailors itself to, of course, to straight white men initially. And and so I'm just thinking I'm I'm in a daze, but I think that we need to just um, just go ahead, Camille. (laughs) I think that what happens is that. At first, Hollywood's excuses, they don't make money. They don't make money. They don't reach a large enough audience. Every five years, we still have this conversation about are women funny. And it's all just a load of poo. So then someone goes and makes a blockbuster or does something with a person of color or a woman or a queer person out front, and it... It makes a ton of money because audiences are thirsty for that. So then that excuse is gone. So then these bookers, producers, et cetera, they go, well, the talent pool's not there. I don't yep. see them. And mm-hmm. it's literally because these people, it's like their ears aren't attuned mm-hmm. to listening to people that aren't different from them. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Um, but I think that. We have a unique opportunity in 2019 now that so much stuff is social media based, now that the gatekeepers aren't as prevalent, that there's this spirit of... There's so many different media outlets now. It's so wide open. There's so much DIY (laughs) stuff. Like, I don't necessarily... Like, Issa Rae. Okay, you're not going to give me a television. She goes and she produces her own web series and has massive success. And then at that point, gatekeepers are knocking knocking at her door. Mm-hmm. So I think that going back to No Lie, that's really the 
purpose of an organization like us is, okay, we create our own opportunities, and then when Hollywood wakes up, which will be, I don't know, they took some real strong drugs way back in the day. (laughs) When Hollywood wakes up, we are developed, we've created our own things, and we have enough business experience and all of that sort of thing that we can negotiate on our own terms. I'm hoping, this is just my hope, that we wouldn't actually have to rely on Hollywood to get what we want across. Um, Because they're going to take half our money anyway if we do go that route. But I will take money in all I will take it. I will take the money. I'm just saying. I got to buy uniforms. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) School is coming up, folks. This is Ashley Branch. You can cash that. I'm just playing. No, I'm not. But I'm just saying. We have so much talent and so much to give and so much to offer. I'm not going to force it down your throat. Yeah. If you don't mm-hmm. like it, if you don't like crawfish, then you don't like crawfish, and that's fine. Thank you, Ashley. Uh, I'm she didn't sorry, I, but I meant it metaphorically. Anyway, okay. <laughs> but for you to say I don't like something without actually tasting it, without actually taking the time to enjoy what it is, is your loss. And I'm going to keep all the crawfish for myself. Yeah. <laughs> you took that crawfish, crawfish has definitely been so far. I, I just want to let you know I've tasted a crawfish. I just, okay. Anyway. See, it's not about the crawfish. Okay. It never was about the crawfish. <laughs> right. But I just I just wanted to reiterate <laughs> no, no, that I tried, okay? No, no. no. Let's, yeah. let's be clear. It, it's about the crawfish bathed in some incredible Louisiana etouffee. Or sauce, or or something, and they're they're just a vehicle. They they are just a way of 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 giving you an excuse to have all that great sauce. Or I mean, you just have to get into. Can I recommend something to you? Um, there's a place called the Bon Ton Restaurant. It's a real old-fashioned restaurant. It's not one of the the newbie restaurants in town. It's on. It's in the CBD, mm-hmm. and they make it true. Cajun style. Okay. So there are a lot of restaurants that talk about Cajun style, but they're not. But th- th- that's a real old-time Cajun restaurant. Go there and, and have the crawfish etouffee. Okay. I'll, I'll do that um, once I have a, a, a reliable paycheck. Yes, that would be the first place I will go. <laughs> that Hollywood money. Because yes. she's ready. Yes. <laughs> and we're Hollywood ready. I mean, I've been doing this on and off since 2015. I started and then I, I found out that I got pregnant with a baby that I wasn't expecting. And I went down a rabbit hole mentally, but I came back. But we've been doing this for a while. We have material. We have lived a lot of life and we are very observant, very open, engaging people. We're very talented. We do more than one thing. But I would like to say this for anyone who's listening and anyone who wants to share this. We are multifaceted. I said this earlier. We are not the sassy girlfriend. We are not the the maid, the cook, the single mom, the hooker. We are more than that. And yeah. if you can't see past those things, and if Hollywood can't see past those things, and the gatekeepers can't see past those things, then that's another battle that has to be fought but just to know that we are more than those things Mm -hmm. is a part of winning the battle real quick i do want to add like part of the reason why i felt like i couldn't do stand-up is because the black comedians i would see like they were funny they were hilarious but none of them were like me like the way that i talk the way that i speak i was like there's no way that anyone would accept what i'm trying to say and it was it just because I got voluntold to do comedy, I, like I'm thankful for that because then I got to find out that I have a voice that people do want to hear. And that's the reason why I love No Lie because we want to make sure if anyone, any black woman has that tiny desire to try comedy, that they know that there's a place where they can grow and they can um, make mistakes and we're not going to judge them from that. And we're just going to make them get better by encouraging them, loving them and doing stuff together. So. I love you guys. I, 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 I can't wait to see one of your shows. Uh, you've got just a, a beautiful spirit, mm-hmm. and I love the relationships, and, and uh, more than anything else, I love to laugh. So yeah. thank you for that. Thank I, you. I want you to repeat the details for tomorrow night's show, yeah. and also very slowly, 
your website again so people can go on there and find out where you're playing. And I want you to stay in touch with me and, and invite yourself back on the show any time you want to come. I always need a laugh. Oh, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Details. So tomorrow at the Orpheum Theater, doors at 6 o'clock, show at 7 o'clock. We are going to be, yeah. Ashley, me, and Ketchy will be doing some stand-up for you, um, followed by the girls' trip presented by New Orleans Film Society, along with 89.9 NPR, and you get free popcorn if you are a member of the New Orleans Film Society. Yay! <laughs> and by the way, um, girls' trip was shot mostly here in yes. New Orleans. Yeah, right? uh-huh. it was. So that's part of the charm of the evening. Okay, and the website. The website is noliecomedy.com. That's no l y e comedy.com. You can follow us on all social media at no lie comedy. Okay. Closing quick quest because I got to get on. I got two other people in, the, in, in waiting, but I you know can't resist. Um, can you give me just like one little bit from the show tomorrow night? Oh. We, we, well, I would say, oh, go ahead, Ashley, if no, you want no, to. But no, I'm watching. I, no, I would say you, they have to come. <laughs> I like the teaser. teaser. Yes. Yeah. All right, Rachel Maddow. Oh, nope, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you so, so much uh, for being who you are and doing what you do and all the success in the world going forward. And uh, stay, keep, keep me tuned in. Keep, yes, yes. we'll so do. Thank, Thank you. you. So appreciate right. it. Thank you. All right, now we're going to talk about spiders. How's that for a follow-up? We're going to talk about the brown widow spider, which is lethal. And this young woman here, Katie, is coming into the studio, and she's going to tell us why she's obsessed with that spider, studying it and and playing with it. Oh no, I can't. I have. I can't set foot in the insectarium, and if I see anything flying within grabbing distance of me, I grab. So I no, I, I'm not. I'm not uh, an insect person at all. Thank you, ladies. Goodbye. Katie, <laughs> what is it about spiders? And, and uh, uh, bef- let me back up. Tell me how you're studying them, and, and, and then let's go why. Okay. Well, I, um, I've always been interested in spiders. I had a variety of exotic pets growing up and um, rescue pets, and I grew up with a pet tarantula. And, um, a pet tarantula. <laughs> yes, and um, I always knew I wanted to study exotic animals um, like reptiles, spiders, uh, birds. And um, at Loyola, where I go to school, I have a wonderful professor, Amay Thomas, and she um, has done some amazing research on um, spiders and she introduced me to this species, the brown widow, which is closely related to the black widow, except they are actually um, invasive in the, the southeastern United States. Where did they come from? Um, originally, it is believed that they come from South Africa, and they've actually been dispersed um, all over the place, all over the world by humans, accidentally, of course. Of course. So they're, um, they're immigrants, to America. Yes, and a lot of species um, get dispersed that way, sometimes on purpose, sometimes by accident. Uh, but, you know, there's a lot of consequences to that, and usually it's negative because it does, it can throw off the, the balance of these ecosystems. Because they come in and they, they're natural predators that, that went after them somewhere that they came from are not present. And so they become, I suppose, um, even more lethal than you might imagine by their name uh, <laughs> because um, they're just, uh, I think often invasive species become dominant. Mm-hmm. in their new territory. Is that true? Mm-hmm. Um, well, not always. I know for the brown widow, um, the black widow that we all know is actually native um, to the United States. And um, I have not been able to find a single one in New Orleans when I'm I'm out searching and collecting samples and collecting egg sacs and spiders. I have not been able to find a single one. And the places you'd usually look for them 
I'm finding brown widows instead. Well, that's what I mean, exactly. Mm -hmm. So the brown widows um, have become, uh, to some extent, dominant in in an environment where some other spider used to be more dominant. Mm -hmm. And, um, I mean, I'm I'm not an expert on black widows, and it could be that maybe I'm not looking in, in the correct places, and I... Um, it's just, it's hard to say because they are just generally understudied, the, the brown widows are, um, because they are so recently dispersed here. Um, the, How recent? How recent? Probably uh, within the past 10 to 15 years. But even um, there was one paper, one study I was reading that actually mentioned that after Katrina, uh, their population growth really um, spurted. Yeah, notably hmm. um, increased. Any theory on to, uh, how that happened or why? <clears throat> um, I'm sorry to interrupt. Um, I would say uh, they do so well in urban environments. Um, they really prefer man-made uh, structures, and every almost every place I've found them has been under trash cans and cinder blocks, like at Ottoman Park under the exercise equipment. <laughs> we have a lot of cinder blocks in my front yard that are supposed to be art, and you're telling me now that they're actually homes for brown widow spiders? It's very possible. <laughs> and actually, they have... Um, Do they bite dogs? Um, they could potentially, I suppose, but they usually stay in pretty, uh, pretty tight, dark places, and they're not really going to come out unless they're poked at. So that's why you don't really hear about them biting people very much. And they're also um, less venomous than um, than black widows. So it's it's a little less serious if you as long as you go to the doctor, it's you know, you'll be fine pretty quickly. Now, um, I, I, I want to go back to an image that you put out there that um, uh, um, astounded me, let's say <laughs> um, that you go out collecting spiders. Yes. OK, tell me about <laughs> that. I want to know. I want to picture this. How does this look? How do you collect spiders? Um, so I have a little bag, and I have my, my forceps, which are kind of like long, pointy tweezers. And um, I have a plastic vial with a, a lid, and um, I go out, and um, a lot of times I like to go into Audubon Park because they're, they're, for this specific species, they're really easy to find in Audubon Park. And I crouch down, and usually they're about – I'd say like a foot and a half off the ground is where they like to be. And um, I just kind of look under stuff and scoop them in with my forceps. And um, they're not very aggressive as a species. So sometimes they get spooked and they actually kind of curl up and then they just like drop to the ground or they'll play dead. And very rarely. They're like possums. Yeah, yeah. Very rarely will they actually like um, make any kind of aggressive uh, gesture, if you will. <laughs> Okay, now they're in your vial, you take them back to your lab, and then mm-hmm. what happens? Well, this is really neat because I have collected only a handful of mature females, and it's really neat because I have been collecting them since January, and the ones I've had have actually, um, most of them were already fertilized, like they had already mated. So they're having males. babies. So, yeah, they're, it's really neat to watch. They weave their... Um, their egg sacs, which are about the size of a of like a pea, and they have little the brown widows have little spicules, little spikes all around the egg sac, and um, inside each of those egg sacs is around, from my experience, um, usually around sixty to ninety. What? Yeah, babies. <laughs> yes, and and little tiny eggs. And um, the thing is, though, when those hatch, most of them don't make it because they're very cannibalistic, and that's a big component of what I'm studying is, or what I I hope to study in the future with them is uh, their cannibalistic nature. Ooh, so. now you just stepped over the line for me. <laughs> Wait, so you you saying that? You know, we have all those birds, as you well know, mm-hmm. out in front of our yes. house that are um, fight with each other. And Mm -hmm. um, from what I understand, some of the birds that fall out of their nests are actually kicked out by siblings. And that was kind of my first knowledge of of, uh, the really intense um, rivalry that can happen. I should know better because I have a rivalry with my sister, but it's not quite that (laughs) lethal. But um, 60 babies and, and they're all eating each other? Well, sometimes there's more, um, even than 60 babies. And the thing is, 
um, there was one study that was done that saw that the more um, differences in size in a clutch, so if some babies are bigger than others, then the bigger ones are going to eat the smaller ones. And certain factors affect how much size variation is in the clutch. So, for example, if they are reared at if some are reared at higher temperatures and some at lower temperatures, you're going to have more differences in size and then more cannibalism. And a lot of times the females are a lot larger than the males, not when they're initially born, but um, when they reach maturity, the females are about three times larger than the males. And so uh, if I don't separate them within several days, a lot of times the females will pretty rapidly start snacking on their male siblings. (laughs) (laughs) Snacking. Oh, my goodness. Oh, now, Katie, why is this? Why is this? Why is this a fascination for you? And and where is this going? My husband and I lately have been teasing the Jarmusch movie that says this is not going to end well. Where <laughs> where is this going? Well, um, I guess it's you know for New Orleans, what does it mean to have these here? And that's really the question: is how are they going to alter these ecosystems? How are they going to affect you know populations of other species and could they potentially, you know, become a problem? Um, hopefully not. But there was one study I was reading that expressed a, a concern about nurseries and playgrounds and um, that, you know, maybe we need to start exploring ways to control their populations in in advance. Um, and, there, for example, there was um, another study I was reading about a specific strain of mold that is um, harmful to uh, brown widows, and maybe that send them could. to my house right <laughs> now. Right now, my staff is telling me I've got mold somewhere in the house, and I don't know where. Maybe I need a couple of brown widows to. That might be cheaper than mold remediation. Yeah, I, I have no idea. Um, it just there really needs to be more. There's just so much to learn still, and it about not only brown widows, but there's a ton of species, especially in this kind of um, environment in Louisiana. Um, There's lots of invasive species. Um, So what are you going to do when you grow up? Oh, uh, (laughs) (laughs) not not grown up, but you, you're, you're a student. So when you get Um, out of Loyola, you're a senior, right? So when you get out of Loyola, what are you going to do? How are you going to use all this? Well, um, I recently, I originally was a biology major, and I recently changed to environmental science, and that's because I really love being outside, and I love being in the field, and I am passionate about conservation, and I kind of want to get the word out there. Um, It's just, it's a really important time right now, and um, I I would love to travel. Um, I love the water. I love scuba diving. I recently got certified, and... um, I hope to continue doing field research or education um, with exotic animals. Yeah, and and when I was uh, a few years ago, I was really into uh, wildlife rehabilitation with mammals. And um, in Kentucky, where I'm from, I um, I did rehabilitation with like possums and bats and groundhogs, and I did education programs because a lot of times, you know, people hurt animals like that on purpose because. they think they think they're evil. I have some and mean. boy cousins that I've, I've, I've observed do, and it's really terrible. Yeah. Um, I, I'm fascinated with um, with what you're up to, and um, again, as, as I said to my comedian friends who just left the room <laughs> before you, um, uh, keep me keep me up to date. Keep let me know um, uh, what you're learning, and, and come back and and. Uh, um, oh, I don't think we actually um, – I think I got a picture of a spider, but I got it a little bit too late for my newsletter, so I'll put it in for next week. And uh, you, you let me know how things develop Absolutely. Thank you out so there much. in the spider world <laughs> and, the, and the exotic animal world. Speaking of exotic animals, what a transition. I've got one uh, waiting to come in next, and I, I need him to come into the studio so that we can – Uh, talk about his uh, plan for saving the planet, which is a little different from you looking into invasive spider species. He's got a whole different take on the matter. Um, And we're going to see the evidence of that coming up this 
uh, next next Saturday night, the uh, White Linen Night um, in the Central Business District. And um, thank you, Katie. We'll thank see you ya. so much, Jean. We'll see you soon. And I'm glad you uh, survived your rescue. Katie she rescued. Katie and I have, may have more in common than is immediately obvious. I, I think that's the case. But um, uh, Katie had a, a scary little fall recently when she was rescuing a yellow-crested night heron who had um, fallen out on Esplanade Avenue, which is a big part of my life at this time of the year. He broke his leg. Oh, he did broke yeah. his leg. So mm, that probably... I hope he got he, medical attention. He Either did, way, I, I don't Audubon. know if he made it or not, but he got medi- the medical attention he needed. So oh, it's all let's, good. Let's hope he made it. Thank I you. I hope so. Thank you for <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> all right. Mr. Bob Tannen, he's been on the show a few times. Um, and, and I try to avoid him. I really do. I promise you, our audience, that I don't have him on because he's my husband. I have him on because I have to because he's doing something that needs to be covered. And in this particular case, it happens to be a work of art that he is going to present out on the street during White Linen Night on Julia Street, which is coming up next Saturday night. It's always the first um, Saturday uh, of August, and it's a remarkable event because, for goodness sake, you would think that Art for Art's Sake in October would be the big night, but no, the biggest night is White Linen Night when it's hot out there, but everybody loves to trot out in their whites and see some art and party, and I think Tannen is trying to make sure that art is a part of that party, but with a message. So let's, what are you up to? What, what, what you got cooking for uh, White Linen Night, Mr. Tannen? Well, I've been thinking for some time that uh, it would be interesting to have an art object that can be a symbol of what we are experiencing here in Louisiana uh, with climate change and heavy rains and flooding and greater storms. Um, and all of the impacts associated with that. Um, And it occurred to me some time ago that the idea of a lifeboat, or for that matter, uh, Noah's Ark as an antecedent of the lifeboats, um, a lifeboat was an important image in itself that uh, it's designed to save people from either a disaster at sea or uh, loss of some uh, uh, property associated with uh, oil wells uh, uh, where there is a disaster associated in a water environment. And the lifeboat uh, came to mind having been a lifeguard and as a lifeguard, I had a boat as part of the equipment that I worked with. And I remember with the instructions of the trainers that the lifeboat and the lifeguard is a, is a kind of a, a team effort to save a person uh, from drowning. And if we are drowning in this environment or if there is drowning occurring, in this environment, then perhaps the image of the lifeboat uh, can be viewed as a idea uh, and a form, an art form, uh, to be better appreciated and understood. So you're going to be out there with this big orange, red? It's an orange, uh, orange lifeboat. Uh, I purchased a lifeboat that I saw from uh, driving on I-10 in Slidell past the uh, movie uh, props uh, operation there where they rent uh, objects for movies, uh, production of movies. And there were two beautiful old orange lifeboats sitting there that you can see from I-10 as you pass through Slidell. And I purchased one of them after uh, negotiating with the owner. He wanted to keep them for rentals, and I thought that it would be better to own this lifeboat. Uh, 
and to make it an uh, an object uh, for white Leninites. And uh, that's essentially what we're going to do. So, so, so uh, on the street, on Julia Street, this lifeboat will be sitting in the uh, in the middle of the street uh, between yeah. between St. Charles and uh, Camp Street, and I will be there in my lifeguard bathing trunks and lifeguard shirt <laughs> to have a Socratic conversation with people who. Uh, might come to see this uh, object and ask the question, what is this lifeboat doing here on Julia Street, which is the beginning of a conversation uh, that I hope to have with visitors. I just learned tonight... About the threats of flooding in the city? Right. About climate change. The larger larger question being climate change. And uh, tomorrow, I believe the New Orleans advocate we'll have an article about this project uh, in the Thursday edition of The Advocate. Um, Next week? No, it's, I think it's this week. this week. I think it's going to be out tomorrow. Oh, okay. And uh, the article is by <coughs> a really fine writer on major, major events in the city. And, Douglas uh, McCash. Douglas McCash, who... Uh, who took a particular interest in this boat, and we spent a lot of time together discussing this uh, lifeboat as an art project. Now, um, uh, everybody who I have told about the lifeboat has said, sign me up. So (laughs) I'm saying, so what would it take for people to sign up to have access to that lifeboat in the event of a flood on Julia Street or some other part of the city where I assume it's well, going to land up after the uh, – because it's only there for that one night, right? So, yeah, if you all want to see – Not about one night, only one night. One night. If you want to see a big 30-foot lifeboat in the middle of the street in the CBD – with, with have, a lifeguard on duty. With a lifeguard on duty, who, by the way, has had uh, a career in the past of being a lifeguard. Um, you need to come for White Linen Night on uh, that first Saturday of the month. Uh, one other thing I'd like to say well, about... Well, no, you have to answer the question about how people can sign up. Well, if they purchase a print of this go. project... Uh, at the Hall Barnett Gallery in the same block. I've done a limited edition print, signed print, that explains the project and is a a print uh, that you can hang uh, on a wall. So it's a commemorative uh, in a, in a way of the with, event. With the print, you'll get a, a lifeguard uh, T-shirt, an official lifeguard T-shirt, and uh, a catalog of a recent show I had in another place. So uh, that's a lot. It's a package, package deal. Package deal, right. <laughs> and all you have to do is sign up to be eligible to be on that boat when the flood comes. Only you 74 know. people can be accommodated by this boat. Okay, so it the first It will take many, many lifeboats to save New Orleans. Yeah, that's actually an interesting picture. I, I, I can see a parade of red lifeguards coming down St. Charles Avenue. Uh, immediately, why are why are you so um, why are you so determined to continue to do art that is talking about um, our environmental threats? I've been interested in the environment as a subject and as a, a science um, throughout my life, starting uh, in Coney Island, where I grew up, next to a, a beach on the Atlantic Ocean and spent much time on the water and became very familiar with sea life and with the changing environment uh, around around Coney Island. And so as a child, this interest in the environment uh, began to grow, and I became associated with uh, other people who were uh, interested in that subject. I'm a consultant with the RAND Corporation here that's doing major environmental work and also with an engineering company, CDM Smith. So it's kind of part of your work life and it's part of your art life, and um, it's certainly a part of all of our lives at this point. We really have to be thinking about it. Um, I I, want to sign up. 
<laughs> I definitely want to sign up. I want to be on that boat. Um, it's going to be the lifeboat. It's going to be on Julia Street for White Linen Night. It's the lifeboat named NOLA. Right. And um, and I think you want to get there and, and, and sign up. And check, by the way, the Hall Barnett Gallery is a brand-new gallery on Julia Street. So congratulations and welcome to Holly Barnett, who's, uh, who's doing that. Um, y'all, uh, we'll see you out there, White Linen Night. And... Um, I think I'll be back on the air next week. Hopefully we won't have yet another flood. I watched one on St. Charles Avenue in the, uh, over the weekend. That, that, that one kind of scared me a little bit because there I am right on the avenue and the water was coming in the door. And I'm thinking, where's that lifeboat? This is Gene Nathan, Crosstown Conversations. See you soon.